0: Guy Clark here. Thanks for joining us for our latest Daily Digest here on the Football Digest channel, where after a week away, our EFL focus resumes. Whilst Leagues 1 and 2 did play out partial fixture lists over the weekend, with sidekick Conor Bromley also away this week, we're switching things up a touch to focus in on one club and that club being Derby County with the Rams locking horns with the EFL off the pitch we thought it worthwhile to examine exactly what's going on at Pride Park how they managed to fall into what could be described as turmoil behind the scenes what the likelihood of sanctions from the league is and evaluate this season's remit for Wayne Rooney in the dugout to do all of that we have senior sports writer across the reach regional desks in the Midlands Richard Cusack Richard thanks for uh, joining me and in terms of what is going on at Derby County, it's a very very wide topic to
1: look be looking to tackle, isn't it? It is, yeah. And thanks for inviting me on, guy. Pleasure to be here. It's um, it's you have to kind of separate the off field from the on field with Derby because off the field there are still restrictions on in terms of the players that Derby can bring in. I don't know what transfer window has shut, um. So we're still Derby still under a transfer embargo, even though. The window shut now, but 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 on the field, it's it's not looking too bad in terms of results and and performances. So there's there's, there's kind of you have to separate the two. It doesn't. It's not it's not one big kind of issue for, for Derby, but the on-field stuff is. You can be quite infused by that, but still, there's stuff going on that, that needs to be resolved, especially with the um with the league.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I suppose the only I suppose fear maybe is that. If eventually, these two things will cross over and affect one another. As you say, the summer has been very disjointed in terms of what Wayne Rooney's been able to do in the transfer window due to what are now sort of five charges that the league have against Derby.
1: Yeah, so obviously, in the transfer window, Derby were um, restricted from signing players from other clubs on permanent deals, so they could only sign free agents, they could only sign players on loan for half a season. So, I think Derby didn't sign any loan players. We were heavily linked with Ted Mengai from Manchester United who spent the latter half of last season on loan, but he didn't come in in the end. Probably because clubs look at it and think, well, if we want to send a youngster out, we don't want to be finding a new club for him or renegotiating a deal in in January. We want him to go for the whole year and get the experience. So, that that obviously, that deal didn't happen. Derby signed three agents instead. Players like Sam Barlock, Phil Jagielka, Richard Stearman, uh, Ravel Morrison all came in to the club. So that meant that basically Derby were limited to signing players who were unattached and could only pay them, I think it was a maximum of four and a half thousand pounds a week. Again, might sound a lot of money to me, of course, and anybody else, but players who might be able to get a better deal elsewhere, even in below even down a league a league below in League One perhaps probably thought, well, I don't fancy ducking it out in what might be a relegation battle. I can go elsewhere and, um, and and get another deal and that's probably what happened for Derby in the end but, but crucially though I, and I wrote this in Derbyshire Live the other day they didn't sell any young players which to be honest I thought might I thought one might go someone like Louis Sibley, Jason Knight, Max Bird top young talent who let's be honest might think well now now's the time to get out and try and get into a championship club or or, or lower rung Premier League side and test myself there but they didn't one of the top players didn't leave so in terms of transfer window, on the restrictions, I'd say it was probably a successful, one all things considered.
0: Yeah, definitely. Let's stay with the transfers, actually, for the time being, and then we'll delve back into other matters in terms of ownership takeovers that haven't quite come off but in terms of the transfer windows you said it seems to have been a very different policy adopted to Derby that has been there over sort of the last few years when there have been these high profile managers such as Frank Lampard and Philip Koku, Wayne Rooney that actually there have been a number of lone players. I immediately always kind of think back to that side that reached the the playoff final that had Fikayo Timori and had Mason Mount, had Harry Wilson as well but It's very different, isn't it? The golden oldies that have come in that seem to very much be calming influences around the place who Wayne Rooney knows he can trust. And also, as you say, a number of those young players, Louis Sibley bursting onto the scene with a hat-trick in one of his his first games against Mill, I think it was, Max Bird, who's obviously been around for a long time, and Jason Knight, an, an international footballer as well, that actually Derby have done very well to actually stave off interest in these, even if it is a time when Derby may well need to be
1: bringing in. Cash. Well, well, exactly. That's, that's the thing. If if Derby, because of the embargo as well, I sort of um, didn't mention that Derby were limited to 23 players. They could register as professionals in their squad, which meant that once they'd reached that 23, which was done with a couple of days of a window to go, they would have to sell someone or release a player to free up a, a spot for a professional to come in, um, a free agent or a loan player that didn't happen. So Derby meant that they had to, Derby can only play scholars now, as well as the 23 professionals, which means there are players who are professionals in the under 23s on professional terms who can't actually play for the club. Players like Aaron Cashin, who scored in, in a uh, pre-season friendly, he can't play for the club. Um, so Rooney actually had to play a scholar um, in the Sheffield United Carabao Cup defeat and basically said afterwards that, I mean, when he, this guy came on, Mateo Borkovic, and um for the last half an hour of the Sheffield united Carabao cup game and everyone's turning around in my way and thinking he's the next cab off the rank he's the next top player but rooney said i had to bring him into the squad because i can't put anybody else in i had to fill out the bench for the scholar so that's where where derby are at in terms of that as well they would have had to have released a player to free up a professional um a spot for a professional so it's it's a it's just been an absolute nightmare really um in terms of trying to work around around these restrictions and as you say, Guy, and like I've touched on before, I'm surprised that Derby didn't lose one of their top young players because they weren't exactly in a strong position to negotiate if a club did come in. I know Nottingham Forest came in for Lee Buchanan, but I don't think they ever got anywhere near the asking price. Um, and Derby, while they probably could have done with selling, they didn't necessarily need to because they'd have probably thought, well, we're better off, certainly in the short term, keeping him instead of trying to get a replacement in and losing a, one of our top young players to our arch-rivals, so that's where, um, that's, like I say, I'm surprised Derby didn't sell one of their best young players. I thought a the club might come in and look to get a knockdown price and, and bring someone in and maybe even loan them back to the club.
0: Yeah, definitely. Clyde well, Gordon obviously moved on in the January window, didn't he? Yeah. Moving on to, to Liverpool. Maybe a bit of a different situation, but yeah, he he was one who obviously did get plucked and moved on higher up the food chain, almost, as it were. But in terms of, I suppose, supporter unrest then, Derbyshire Live article published yesterday on there from the supporters group. A letter that's been written to the higher ups at Derby County, basically asking for, I suppose, transparency in terms of what is going on. There are all these charges. Derby County, the hierarchy seem to bat them away quite out of hand, just saying, yeah, we've got everything under control. But everything that's going on, it feels as though there isn't smoke without fire somewhere. And the fans, it seems, just want to know what is going on, and if they've any need to
1: concern a, a, about the future of their club. Well, well i i mean, I'm a season ticket holder and have been for 20 years. All my family are, so I have a vested interest as as, as, a, as a supporter, as a supporter as well. And I think what the, the, the sort of message I got—I get from my friends and supporters—is if we—if if the club is struggling, then if someone if come out and be honest, just be transparent. Like there's no—you don't have to kind of come out and try and say. You know, everybody can see from the league position last season, the situation with players leaving in the summer out of contract and um, the the situation that has been since the end of the last season where Rooney has said, please, can we get this sorted out so I can plan and prepare for this coming season? Um, You know, gates are down at Pride Park as well. That was mentioned in the Rams trust letter that you allude to, Guy, but part of that might be because of coronavirus as well and people's unwillingness to get back into big crowds, and and you understand that. But, But crowds are down, that's the fact. And um, that seems to be, it's bubbling away on social media. It, it has been for a while, I think. And I think people would just a, a, appreciate, even if the manager, um, the, the owner comes out and speaks via Club Media and just does an interview with, with five or six minutes with, with Club Media and just says, look, this is the situation. I think people would appreciate that. It's its kind of the, um, it's its the silence that isn't, you know, that's not going down well at the moment, I don't think.
0: Yeah, as you say, that, that letter, you can you can read a lot of it on on Derbyshire Live do head across there and mentioning it's not the first letter that has been written. This is something that has been bubbling away. And also it's been bubbling away for a lot longer maybe than what some people may realise. As you say, at the end of last season, after staying up, Wayne Rooney came out and said, look, things behind the scenes need to be sorted out so I can get on and do the job I need to do. But I I recall around sort of Christmas time last year, there was talk of perhaps a takeover being close. There was Eric Alonso who sort of declared interest over the course of the summer came to nothing in the end. There have now been a couple of takeover plots, I suppose,
1: that haven't come to fruition. It's been a very turbulent sort of almost two, two years now. With The uh, the first EFL charge came in January last year. and um, In my opinion, that took far too long to be resolved. Um, from, 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 from the league's point of view, it, it rumbled on until August. Um, it appeals back and forth. August, August, um, August just gone is when we had kind of like the um, the night before the fixture release, wasn't it? Where yeah. it was, there might be an interchangeable thing. Fans, you know, it's been a it's been a pretty bad eighteen months in terms of fans not being able to go into the game. A lot of the talk has been about accounts, this accounts that. You know, football is not for, you know, football is about the game on the pitch. But fans, are, I think fans are just sick to death of takeovers, accounts, and everything. They just want to get back to watching the football. But obviously. The football that you watch is a byproduct of the situation you find yourself in as a club, because the players, you know, Derby have been used to spending big money on players, getting big players in, big names. And I think what Derby fans are saying now is that we actually quite like watching this team because we know for a fact that they want to be here and they want to play for the manager. They every it's like a siege mentality. The manager is like kind of saying, look, it's us against it's us against the rest of the league. Everyone's talking about us, this fat and the other. Let's go out there. Let's put it's us. Let's all get together and and kind of um and 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 forgerous mentality, mentality where we all want to battle for the club. So that's kind of what's happening on on the pitch and in terms of the stands as well. But yeah, like like you say, guys, it's um it's been a really turbulent kind of eighteen months. There Was a takeover deal agreed with um Holdings through binside International? That didn't that never got uh, rubber rubber stamped. Neither did the Eric Alonso one. That got agreed, and I don't think it ever. I think that just went cold as well. So there's been two takeovers agreed, agreed in effect but just haven't gone through and um, I think Stephen Pierce came out and said in May the chief executive or the club came out and said that the talks are ongoing with a number of interested parties you know I think that's that's a fact there are people who want to buy the club but obviously it's not I always think back to the most recent kind of big takeover in, in the, the Premier League one in Burnley where that happened in December and I think talks have been ongoing for about 18 months nearly two years for that one so the it's not just a case of walking into a shop and I want I want to get that one and then buying it. You have to there's all sorts of like um, legal stuff you have to go through and that and it's not it's not a quick process. And I think Derby fans now just want they want the resolution. You're looking towards the January transfer window now. If the club's still under embargo and, and restrictions and the and the club are struggling, then it, it might end up being relegation this year. But the signs are promising so far, but we've only played four games and the squad's not big. So you need to there needs to be a resolution somewhere down the line to enable the club to to, to compete over forty-six games of this season.
0: What's the feeling towards Mel Morris from kind of the, the the fan base? We mentioned the letter before. He's a guy obviously locally based who's plowed an awful lot of money into the club, brought in players on big wages built up sort of infrastructure things behind the scenes as well with the club. The ambition to get to the Premier League there has been a number of managerial changes. He's been there quite a while now and we know the Championship can be a real drain on finances if you are unable to get out and it feels as though Derby, they've been sort of to two playoff finals, they've been so close to the promised land but it just feels as though it's come up short and it is now going to be time for a change. But obviously for, for Mel Morris, that must be difficult to stomach given the amount he has put into the club and of course he, he does want the best
1: for the club it always feels like the dreams kind of petered out now but when Mel Morris first took over in 2015 he was like the kind of a low the local you know the, 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 it, it, the boy done good you know locally kind of thing you know it made his it made his money through um technology I think it was Candy Crush as well but he yeah. kind of made a lot of money on and he was coming to his club and he was saying that you know, and it was nice. it's nice to have a local owner in charge, you know, that, that identity, someone who understands how it feels to support the club and knows the local area and, and genuinely wants to put Derby on the, on, on the map again in terms of Premier League football because we know what it can do to an area and the surrounding area, if the club is associated with Premier League football, the worldwide kind of, you know, the world stage you're on. And it, it, feels, it feels quite sad, really, to be honest, Guy, because you come in, there's a lot of promise, but there's a lot of money spent and yeah. a lot of money spent on players who leave for free or a non- nominal fee at the end of the contract. And, you know, that's never that's never a good a good model or a good way to run a club, is it? Because you need, if you bring players in, you want to be selling them on. Look at Brentford, for the perfect example. Bring players in, sell them for 30 million, do that a couple of times and, you, and, you, and you're sorted. But I think it just feels like, it feels like kind of at the end of the road now a little bit for, 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 for the owner because he's, he's poured a lot of money in, tried really hard, um, but it's just, and I think with coronavirus as well, that's just decimated in terms of you know ticket revenue, merchandise, um sales in the concourse, all the things that do add up to try and give you a competitive kind of budget. That's just gone, and it just feels like we're at the end of the, the dreams, kind of gone now. You know, all that promise, and it's been it's been a long, it's been, it's been a long road. Play loads of playoff appearances, Under the Rowan in twenty eighteen, Lampard the playoff final, and. Um, you know, it's been a lot it's been l it's been a real, real, real sort of tough stretch for fans to take, or all the failure, which ultimately it has been failure, and it just feels like we're at the end of the kind of like the timeline now for, for for the owner and it's quite sad the way it's kind of ending, to be honest. Yeah, I remember being at Ellen Road the night that
0: Derby booked their their place in the player final. It feels an eternity ago. What scenes they were in the away end that day working on radio at the time it was and uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. But It does feel as though, as you say, that that, that dream may well be in tatters. But then what does it leave for the man in the dugout? I mean, mentioned before, the the list of managers that Derby have gone through. And for championship level, there's been some big, big names who have had a, a crack at it. Steve McLaren's gone twice. Paul Clement, Nigel Pearson, Gary Rowett, Frank Lampard, Philip Koku. Wayne Rooney, when he got the chance, must have thought, hey, I'm the next one in line. And this is a club who... Have ambition to to do things. Yet it feels as though for Wayne Rooney, it's been sort of from the fire into or from the f- frying pan into the fire, and it has just been having to put out fires
1: left, right, and centre. Well, I mean, it's it's been quite the introduction to um to, to to life as a manager for Wayne Rooney, hasn't it? I think he um they gave the job kind of like to to a coaching staff, like the free coaching staff, um when Koku left by mutual agreement, they called it in November, I think it was last year. Um, after Derby were bottom of the table for about 12 or 13 games, I think it was. I mean, writing was really on the wall. The, the football was bad. The um, performances were, were were really, really poor and Rooney got the job and obviously we'd never left let steer them to uh, safety in the end. But yeah, it's, it's been tough with the transfer restrictions and um, stuff, stuff like that. The kind of not having fans in the ground until, until very recently, early this season. It's... It's been people. People are asking, you know, why why is he still there? Why is he, why is he not walked? But I think he genuinely believes. He, he said before, you know, this is, this is a big club, and if we get this if we get this right, if somebody can come in with um, with ambition and maybe you know a bit more some cash to spend, then perhaps then you know he's he's manager of a Championship club, isn't he? That are one of the probably not recently but historically, you know, two two champions two two Division One titles and an FA Cup. They're Derby are a big side. Um, for championship level, certainly. So, you know, would he? Where would he get an opportunity like this? Again, perhaps. And let's be honest: if Derby go down this season, he could turn around and say, "Well, I gave it my best shot." And if Derby stay up, he can say, "Look, what I've had to work with, and I've done it again." You know, yeah. So, definitely. Yeah, he's got a
0: paper thin squad, hasn't he? It does feel as though, over a long course of a season, it is going to be a a big task for him. But as you say, he, he certainly seems as though he's, he's more than up for it. In terms of final, just think kind of off the pitch in terms of how long this has kind of been bubbling under. It's kind of been going ever since the EFL were looking into the whole stadium sale from Mel Morris and then back to the club and the accounting that was done there. Obviously, there was a, a similar issue with Sheffield Wednesday. They got a points deduction because their accounting period, it was deemed that they'd got that wrong. Derby's was signed off. It was it was fine, albeit they've had to now resubmit accounts which will include that period, as you were mentioning before, the interchangeable fixture list with Wickham Wanderers isn't going to come into effect this season. But with these other charges they've got against them, is there a fear that the league will take action eventually against Derby County? Or I suppose the lack of communication coming out for supporters, it, it, it's its uh,
1: difficult to actually ascertain and, and understand. We, we have reports there, in the national press that sort of, the league and Derby were, were working to come to an agreement where they could put the whole thing to bed, and Derby might take a nine-point deduction or, or a six points suspended, a three-point extra to make it nine. So, I think to be honest, you know, after the start Derby have had, you know, they, they won up, won up a whole, um, drew a couple of draws on the board as well. So they've got five points. If Derby got deducted six, they'd probably take that because it put it wouldn't it put them bottom of the league, but only three or four points behind some of the other teams and. To be honest i've not been impressed by some of the teams in the championship this season so i don't think derby would i think derby are probably one of the one of the among the better of the, the four that might be down there in the end and one obviously would survive so i think that derby would probably take a points deduction if they could just say look you know let's just let's call it we've had a good we've had a good battle let's just call it now and let's take a an adoption and then let's um and, and, and let's go our separate ways and wipe, wipe the slate clean and Obviously, that would then perhaps clear the way for a takeover because who would buy a club knowing that there might be a potential point deduction on the horizon or whatever? You need all parties need to know where they stand, and I think that's probably one of the things prohibiting a takeover. So, the, the key is to wiping the slate clean with the EFL, and whether it's talks or whether it's um, someone holding out somewhere for perhaps um, to try and win the battle, I don't know, but there needs to be an amicable solution for, for everyone and, and for, for more than anything for, for the supporters. Because it's just not, it's just not, it's just not pleasant to be honest, guy. I'll put it bluntly: it's just not pleasant for um, supporters to have to worry about that all all the time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And as you say, if if, if a points deduction came in now, you wouldn't be so far behind Nottingham Forest to the side, nailed to the bottom of the table as it stands. And I'm sure Derby fans would, would like to try and stay above them for as long as possible. But I suppose the grim reality is, you know full well, that it is going to be a real season of, of battling and, and struggling their way, hopefully, to survival maybe on the final day like it was last year.
1: Yeah, it, it does feel that it does feel that way. But it's going to be um, another season of, of, of definitely trying to stay stay in the division. Yeah. Um, you know, but but Derby have got some good players, like I said earlier on, and um, they're doing okay. There's some good performances, but the problem is their back line is Curtis Davis, um, Phil Jagielka, and Richard Stim, and They're aging players, and no disrespect to them, but they look good after four or five games. But you'd like to see when it when it becomes Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday over December, January time. You're just looking at the fitness levels and whether the concentration is there for for the entire entire 90 minutes as well So and, and also like I said before there's a lot of young players and it's a lot to ask of these young players to play every every game as well so it's, it, that, that's where we might see the signs are good so far but you know being a pessimist as you end up being as a Derby, Derby supporter when you wait, wait, see what happens when we get to November, December, January and, and see if the performances are, are still there
0: yeah, definitely,
1: and certainly
0: need anything but the, the usual end-of-season tail-off at Derby County. But anyway, Richard, that, that's all we've time for. Really appreciate you sort of delving deep there to let us know the situation that is going on at Pride Always Park. We will, yeah, we will keep an eye continually through the course of the season and may well get you back on to give us a Rams update at some stage later on in the, the campaign. But from myself, Guy Clark and Richard Kuzak, thanks for joining us here on The Daily Digest. It's bye for now.